Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, it's Mike Powell from Oculus Insights, and today we're doing something a little bit different. It's just going to be me today. And so on the uh, Veterinary Business Matters podcast, you're going to get uh, one voice, and hopefully I'm not going to be speaking for a real long time, and hopefully it's not too boring. But I'll tell you where the angle is for this week's podcast and why I'm going here. So I had the uh, good fortune of being invited to be a presenter, speaker, at my first virtual conference. And so a couple of weeks ago, well, maybe a month ago, we had Dr. Melanie Barham talking about the Global Veterinary Career Summit, an initiative that she was putting on. And it was a global summit for veterinarians or people in the veterinary profession, technicians, nurses, other options. You just don't have to go to clinical practice. And so they asked me to talk about my life as an entrepreneur. And got a lot of questions, got a lot of feedback. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to share it. I had to do a 20-minute recorded section on my tips for being an entrepreneur. But then within the platform, they also had people uh, who had questions. So I thought, you know, instead of me talking about what I thought would be good for an entrepreneur, I thought I'd share the questions that was asked by me both on the panel because we had like a virtual campfire one night. I had two great students, grad students from the Ontario Veterinary College, my alma mater, and they had some great questions. And I also incorporated some of the questions that the audience had on the app. I'll put the link to the uh, Global Summit. All the programming is still there. It'll be there for a year. So even if you buy it now, you can still participate. I just thought the interaction and communication with people was fantastic. And I was really, really glad to be part of it. So I got about 13 questions. Some may blend into others, but let's start. And we'll see where this takes us. So the first thing they asked me is, you know, can you talk about the decision to start your own business? What led me to starting my own business? So I think they were talking to me about my veterinary career. My wife and I started the key panel equine services about a year after I graduated from vet school. But prior to that, I was also a horseshoer for several years, so my own business owner. Always had a bit of an entrepreneurial bug. Always liked being in my own business. And there were some other things prior to being a farrier, but let's not go down too far down memory lane. I guess the common element was... And this kind of made them laugh, but the common element was, I'm a really bad employee. And I think we're bad employees, for myself at least, is because I always saw there was a better way of doing things. I remember working in a cafeteria in university, and just the way they had us clean out the big old milk machines, the ones that just dispense these big boxes of milk, I thought, this is crazy. And every time I brought up my idea, I'd always be shot down. And so I was like, oh. So, okay, that's what the work environment is like. I don't like this. And so, you know, how to clean a table, do this better, do whatever. I always had the ideas of like, there's a better way of doing things. But when I brought it up, nobody appreciated it. So I thought, yeah, I guess I'm not meant to work for other people. I just working for other people. It was the timelines, their expectations, communication wasn't clear. All the things that I think we strive to do in our own business to make sure we don't have the issues that cause me to want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm saying that like it's a sick affliction or something, but. I think I realized very early, and it's just probably my personality, is that I just didn't really like working for other people. And the, and the flip side of the question is, is, did I plan for our business to grow the way that it did? So we've been in business 18 years. 
about 43 employees in my vet practice, also with Oculus, who are sponsoring this. And I'm a part of Oculus. You know, there's about eight people that work in Oculus. And no, nothing is ever planned. I mean, you have dreams. And, you know, my wife and I started our practice out of vet school. There are three things that we really wanted to focus on. Number one is that veterinarians did not want to work 24-7. I graduated in 2001. And we saw that regardless of gender, no young student wanted to work crazy hours that vets were working, particularly in equine practice. So we thought, okay, we got to open up a practice and get it big soon so we can have shared on calls, so we can have quality of life. Number two, and I say again at the time, a lot of equine veterinarians didn't appreciate that equine horse owners had a similar relationship to their horses as they would with their dog and their cat. In other words, you know, their pets, there was a human-animal bond. And we thought, you know what, we need to acknowledge that. We need to be respectful of it. And we need to involve clients in our decision-making. We need to educate them. And that was one of our big focus. And then the third, and I, I worry that it's still in a large part still existing today. And that is a lot of the support staff or LVTs or RVTs or veterinary nurses, I mean, were just essential to this business working well. And unless they had, um, saying of quotation marks, a partner with a real job, with a real income, I mean, most of these people just didn't have a career that could, they can survive on. They're going to be just living just above poverty almost. And there was no room for advancement. So, so there's a lot of turnover of staff. That's just not fair. Whether they go to school for a couple of years for a tech program or they learn the ropes of being a receptionist. I mean, these are some hard jobs really tough jobs. None of the vet practices can live without them. So let's do better by them. So we thought, okay, we also need to be a business that has a price point where we can pay people that work for us an appropriate wage. That answered their first question. And then, you know, the other question they asked, which was a good one, is what barriers did you experience when starting your own business? And, and I think this is probably the same for anybody, whether you, no matter what kind of business you are, I'm going to speak in Canada to a certain degree, but not everybody wants you to succeed. So what they're going to do is throw obstacles at you. And they're going to throw barriers. And they're going to tell you why you're not going to succeed. But they're not going to tell you how you're going to succeed or why you should succeed. So really, and I think this was critical, it's just, you know, it's one thing to listen to people that have been in the business that have some wisdom to share with you. But when people start telling you, you're not going to do it, forget your dreams, you're like, no, no, I have an idea. We, we have a foundation. We're going to try it. And so I, I resented that. And I, and even now, and I've, I've met people who have said, I want to open my own business. And, you know, one side of you is a bit jaundiced because you've been around for a bit and you know how hard it is. But never, 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 never have I ever said to anybody, don't do it. I mean, who knows? And so, you know, there's a lot of vets in the area that we knew. They're like, oh, it's too competitive. Don't start up a business. You're crazy to do it. And thankfully, we didn't listen to them. And we did it. But, you know, you never can tell somebody no if they have a good idea. Now, you never want to be the person who's on Dragon's Den or uh, Shark Tank or whatever, who's almost on the verge of giving up all of their retirement savings and selling their house and mortgaging their future. You know, and you know that the idea is not going to work. That's one thing. But when you're a younger person, you're young enough that you can make some mistakes, learn from your mistakes and move on. You got to go for it. I don't want to be confused with the people I've seen that are like four years away from retirement and they're dreaming and they have this idea and you can see their spouse beside them going, 
please say no to them. Please say no to them. The idea is not good because they're just going to give up everything. So, yeah, if you're young and you're healthy and you got a great idea, just go for it and don't listen to other people. Next question they asked, and, and that's this is a you know one you never like talking about, but it was the biggest failure, and and what did you learn from that failure? So in about 2010, we had some really good success. We were eight years into practice. We had three locations, one that we had developed, one that we had bought. Everything was going great. And for some reason, I thought, you know what? We need to hedge our bets. I don't know how strong this equine world's going to stay. We got to do something else. So I thought, hey, how about that? That's easy. Let's buy a small animal practice. There's so much money in small animal. Oh, we have so many ideas. This will be fantastic. So lesson number one, and the one I have to fight myself with every once in a while is just because you're good at one thing or you had a great idea once doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be smart on everything you do. And boy, I know any of you who have clients who are very successful when they come into your practice and start telling you how you should do this or do that. And you're sort of like, just because you're really good, you know, running this company or being a manufacturer doesn't mean you know deadly squat about being a vet, but we smile and nod our head and humor them. So bought a small animal practice, and I realized that being an equine vet and a companion animal vet are two different breeds, species, it's dogs and cats. And we did a terrible job. Just a horrible job at it. Lost money in over my head. I mean, I just it was not good. Got out. Practice is still doing well because people that were small animal vets and knew what they had to do did it. And I learned a lot. And you don't learn anything other than from mistakes. And so from that mistake, I went to do an MBA. I was getting older. This goes back to my comment about being younger and you can make a lot of mistakes. But when you get start getting older, you can't make as many mistakes because you have less of a timeline to redo it over again, make up for it. I love having a small animal practice. I'm pretty sure that if I did it now, I would do it a lot better and we would be successful. But it also tells you, here's the irony of this. So we went into doing this because I thought equine practice is going down. We're losing it. Well, the whole time we had our companion animal practice, our equine sales were just going up double digits. And, you know, we've done very well the last few years. And so this was another good lesson is that we make a lot of assumptions about our business that aren't based in fact or reality. So I made this assumption about the equine practice that, all right, we got to do something better. It's going down. And reality was it was doing fine. But hey, you, you make mistakes. We all make mistakes. You, you got to you know get up, dust off and, and carry on. And we were able to do that. And I'm glad we are. Some of the best things that happened was, you know, doing my MBA and it, it got me to where I am today. You know, one of the other questions they had, would you do anything differently in my burial career? And I was like, heck no, because that's where you learn. These are the things that you do. It doesn't kill you and make you stronger is really true in a lot of these things. And so able to come out of it, had a great wife. I'm sure at times she was raising an eyebrow at me going like, why are you doing this? Supported me, knew my heart was in the right place, but also I knew when to back off and knew no matter what I'm going to do, there's not enough band-aids that are going to fix this. What would you do differently? Nothing. If you learn from it, you do nothing differently. I am where I am today because of the experiences and it's led me to take other jobs with Oculus. It's going to the MBA, been able to travel around, presented all over the world. Why would I do anything differently? I ended up in a pretty good place. I'm pretty happy there. The last question they had about being an entrepreneur is specifically about being an entrepreneur is 
What's the hardest part? And I think the hardest part for me is you have a good idea. Sometimes it takes a while for the good idea to work. And it's often lonely. And I'm not saying like, oh, poor Mike, he's lonely. You're by yourself. You've invested money. You've invested time. You've often got money or support from family, friends, investors, colleagues, whoever. And you don't want to let them down. You've got a business, you know, just recording this as we're coming out of the COVID crisis in Canada, where you have, you know, we have 43 people working for us. Their livelihood is dependent on the decisions that I make. And so when you're at that point, and I'm not saying it's lonely at the top, it's just you're in a position of making big decisions and these big decisions have big ramifications on other people. And that's where it gets lonely because no matter what, you can get all the advice you want from other people. You can research, you can do things, you can evaluate things. It is still you as a leader, as, as the head of the organization that says, this is where we're going. And, you know, as we get older, get smarter, our, our risks are more manageable, but still, it's still a very precarious position to be in. So getting into that's that was then. Now we're sort of into the stage of, okay, you're an entrepreneur. You got a lot going on. You're running a three location vet practice is your integral part of Oculus. You know, how do you keep all the, how do you balance everything you have to do? And I know we talk to a lot of vets, time management is one of the factors that everybody talks about. And so the question was like, how do you balance all these spinning plates? You've got so much going on. And it's something that I learned actually in my MBA uh, in the leadership course in terms of how do you have the time for your people? And really what, it, what I've learned is, is to focus on three main things at a time. Every day you get up, there should be three things that you're working on. What you do in that day is should advance one of the three things that you're working on, either one of them or all three. But you don't take on new projects unless you either A, finish one of these three things or you're in a position because of urgency or what happened to put one of the three things on the back burner to come back later. And you do that with great hesitation because you just don't want to get a habit of like, I don't want to do it. I'll put it on the back burner and we'll start something else. No, your goal and your focus is I want to be excellent at three things. Multitasking and the ability to do it well is a huge myth. Only people that believe they do multitasking well are the people that actually are in the habit of multitasking and they don't realize how ineffective they can be multitasking. So really, I focus on three things. I schedule in my day, on my, my calendar, when I'm going to work on them. And I live by that. So that's the only way I know how to do it, just focusing on three things. Next question is, a young veterinarian comes up to you and says, I want to start my own business. I want to start my own vet practice or you know, something I've seen in the market as a veterinarians. And, and I'm like, yeah, go for it. But we all think we have the best ideas because there are ideas. And we see, oh, my God, there's a need for this. Of course, everybody will want this. And what I have learned, one of the things I have learned is, you know, is when to check your own assumptions your own biases. We all have biases and we can spend the next two hours just talking about various biases that are out there. But what I have learned and what I recommend anybody is like, you know what, you figure out a great idea, good. Let's go test it. Start asking people, evaluate things, get their feedback, listen to them. I've had too many times, I remember when we had our first, uh, we wanted to start our standing MRI, one of the Hallmark systems. And I thought, this is a no-brainer. Everybody's going to want this. 
went and talked to several clients and I said, so I think I only talked to two. So this is the other thing is ask a lot of people. And I remember asking them, I'm like, you know, would you send a horse for the MRI? They're like, absolutely. And I'm like, well, how often do you think you'll send them? I'm like, you know what kind of horses we have? Probably once a month. So inside, I'm like, I've only talked to two people. I got 24 cases a year. Yeah, if I just keep on talking, the same thing is going to happen. Well, you know, the reality was it took about five years for us to get great traction. You know, it's, it was not always the advantage of being that first mover. The market had to catch up with that idea. You know, the, the MRI is doing great. But the funny thing is, is that the two people that I asked that they send cases have never sent a case once. So I think you got to ask enough people and, and just query people about, is this a good idea? And listen to them and, and don't let their opinion get in the way of what you're thinking in terms of don't be so obstinate because it's your idea. You can't own an idea and you got to adapt the idea. So there's one thing I'd recommend anybody's doing if they're wanting to open their own business and they think they have a good idea is, you know, do some explore Google, do some design thinking research, really understanding and empathize what your target audience is and what they want and what you can offer them. I think that is a big factor. Now, if you're opening up a vet practice, really a, a key thing is why and how saturated is the area. There are you know more and more vets opening up practices, and I don't know why, and I don't know how they can all survive. It's like when you look at a corner sometimes, you're seeing all these fast food restaurants there, and you're like, how do they all make a living? Uh, how many people eat out every night? Do research, really, really, really research is all I can say when you want to start your own business, just because... You may have a great idea. You may be so ahead of the curve. You may be Steve Jobs who knew people wanted an iPhone before they wanted an iPhone. But when you're investing your family's money, your partner's money, your savings, make sure that you've done the research and go for it. The other aspect too is, you know, if you sit there and go, these are my sales for the year and these are my expenses. I'm, just, I'm simplifying this a bit. Again, check your assumptions. Human nature is we're going to overestimate what we think our success will be. We're going to underestimate the obstacles. So if you said, for example, okay, I have a new practice and in one year, I'm going to have billing of 500,000 and we're going to have expenses of 400,000 and I'll make a hundred thousand dollars. I've got it made. Why didn't I do this earlier? All right. You know what you do? You go in there and say, all right, what happens if your revenue goes down by 20% and your expenses go up by 20%? How's that going to look? And I think that's where you got to look at it. Go against your best story and go, you know what? Maybe I'm going to do 400000 but my expenses are 450000 right, I'm going to lose 50000 a year. Can I do that? Can I afford that? How much cash do I have on hand that I can maybe go over a couple of years because it may take longer than I thought to grow? So I think, you know, you've got to challenge your, your as entrepreneurs, we're optimistic. And there's a way you got to just, is that real? Just, just check against that. So another question to add is, are there things that practice owners don't realize are negatively impacting the overall revenue of their business? And I, I think that's such a huge question. I think one of the things that I have seen, if I'm just going to stick on one theme, is we're very good at veterinarians of controlling our expenses generally. We're, we're pretty frugal. We don't like spending money when we don't have to. I think in most vet practices, we're okay. You may find some savings, a percentage here, a percentage there, and cost of goods or inventory, and that's substantial. You know, it's a good saving for a year. I think the biggest area where we don't uh, look at very much as vets is that we don't realize the revenue creation opportunities in terms of what new services or how do I get my clients to come more frequently? How do I get my clients to buy more of the services that we offer? 
we have other educational opportunities and webinars on that. But I think as veterinarians, we are very focused on saving money instead of thinking, what can I do to invest money and to grow my business or to develop it or to offer services other people want? So we'll be having more on that because that's a bit of a get on my soapbox kind of subject. Uh, number 11, are there any warning signs that someone might not have the business skills they think they need or they need to improve them? And I was like, yeah, but how do you recognize it? How do you tell somebody? And I think this is where, you know, just like being a vet, if you can go in there and look at a dog or a cat and go, I know what's going on there, and, you know, have that kind of arrogance. Well, you know, your patients will tell you pretty soon that you're not there. And I think as a business is, you know, where we start looking at our business skills is, you know, if you don't have that basic vocabulary to discuss financial terms, that's one area. If you have a budget or if you have a plan for your business that I want to be able to do this or that in the next couple of years and you're not doing it, that's a big warning sign. I think one of the more obvious ones we can see is as a young business person or new to business owner, you can be older, is, you know, it's nerve wracking. And sometimes our nerves get a hold of us and we can be sometimes embarrassed to work for. Not the nicest people sometimes. We don't need stress. There's financial worries. How are you going to pay the rent? How are you going to pay your employees? If you're seeing that your staff is leaving you a lot, you've got a lot of staff turnover, you can't keep staff, the staff is disgruntled. That right there tells me right off the bat that your business skills aren't up there. And you're like, well, my people, staff, I mean, that's not business, that's not finance. Well, people are, are, are the biggest asset we have in the business. And if we're not managing that asset well, they're unhappy, they're quitting. They're, you know, creating a toxic culture. You're not managing your business well. And I think that would be the area that I would focus on huge. And so then the question is, well, how would a veterinarian or practice owner go about uh, improving their business skills? And I, I didn't plant this question, but I'd like to talk to We have all these educational programs. We do a lot of online stuff. But I think read. Recognize the first step, it's like anything, the first step that you realize you have a problem, is then you can start. And then, then focus on that area of what are the problems? Is it finance? Is it marketing? Is it my people management skills? There are people out there. There's other consultants, but I think if you have a, a healthy dose of humility and self-awareness, you can learn a lot just by starting to read. And I don't mean, I don't mean any of the, there seems to be a new business management, marketing management book every month. and there are some foundational books, and I'll put those in the, the notes for this podcast. So like, if you're going to start anywhere, these are the two or three books that I would just start. One's Good to Great by Jim Collins. Now, absolutely foundation principles that will never change. Uh, the other one is E-Myth Revisited. I get the name of the author, but it's just a great book for entrepreneurs to understand the difference between having a job and having a business. A job is somewhere that you go every day, you get paid for doing it. You haven't created lasting value that's going to benefit you as opposed to a business. Yes, you get an income, but the business uh, accumulates a value. You own a vet practice, you might work there for 30 years, but when you sell it, it has something. You know, it has a value. And so, how do you work on your business versus working in your job? I think is a great foundational comment. You know, they asked me, I mean, does it, should everybody go to an MBA? And I'm like, no, I mean, I went to an MBA because I, I had made a a good mistake and I, I needed to think better about that and one of the things MBAs do offer you 
They give you the knowledge that you can apply across a lot of the parts of a business to mitigate risk. It really gives, helps you understand where things are risky and how to mitigate it. But if you're just wanting to run your business a bit better uh, or you have curiosity about the sector of it, I don't think an MBA is worth it. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. I don't know if you're going to get the return on it. As I said, I'm very entrepreneurial in nature, and I knew once I had the MBA that I would apply it and you know make something out of it. That's me. So everybody has their personal decision, personal choices. I would, though, say that it would be a great idea for anybody to go just to a community college, to do an online course, whatever, just basic bookkeeping, basic book, business bookkeeping to understand what your financials mean, that you can read them just like you would read a CBC biochem report you've gotten from one of your diagnostic labs. And then just have a habit of, there's a lot of great online articles, a lot of good online books, magazines rather, and just devote a bit of your time to just reading about business. And I guess the last tip I want to leave with everybody in terms of you know, um, being a better business owner, knowing what to do, whether you open up a business or not. And this is something that was taught to me in my first week of my MBA, but one of our professors was saying, you know, Regardless if you're running a multi-billion multinational or a four-person business, you need to spend time every week, at least some of the day, but every week, just thinking about your business. We're always so busy. We're go, 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 go. And we often don't just stop and reflect upon the business and just think about it. And that was invaluable because I find that when I'm getting to the point when those plates are spinning, and the business isn't doing what I thought it should do or can do. All right, I'm going to take the afternoon off. I'm just going to go for a walk or I'm just going to go somewhere. I'm just going to sit. In our culture now, it's always on, always on. You know what? we got to learn to discipline ourselves to just sit and focus. You know, One of my, my tips is that I said earlier that I schedule when I'm working on one of my big three things is I'll turn off Wi-Fi and I'll put my phone away. Like nobody's going to get me. Unless the world is blowing up or something, you know, if I'm going to work in an hour and a half or two hour blocks, you know what? Nobody really needs me in the next two hours. So really treat yourself. And it is nice just to go and just sit somewhere and just think about a business and think about a problem and, and be thoughtful in how you're viewing it, thoughtful on your actions, you know, think of the ramifications of your actions. That discipline will probably teach you more about business and your own business than anything else. Hey, I almost took up half an hour of your time. I hope you found this interesting. I really enjoyed getting these questions from you know, these young vets-to-be, uh, young students, but also some of these with people in this program of the Global Veterinary Career Summit, just their perspective on entrepreneurism. And I thought I would share them with you too. So thank you very much. We've got a lot of great new things coming out with Oculus very soon. So uh Hope you subscribe to the uh, Facebook page or to our our website or to our our bi-weekly Insights by Oculus newsletter. And if you have any questions or if there's any entrepreneurship questions I didn't answer, please let us know. Thank you very much. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. 